Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Lisa? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Katie. (laughs) There are signs of spring, perhaps. Perhaps. Yes, perhaps if you are listening in Minnesota, we have signs of spring coming. Yes. Um, In May. It's only a month late, but who's counting? You know what? I don't know that we've ever talked about the the weather on this podcast, Lisa Rubin. I don't think we have. We've done a little bit of weather when we had Belinda Jensen on, but not like we're talking about it now. Yeah, that's true. Not like the the meat on the street talk about the weather kind of a deal. (laughs) But it's been a bit depressing with the weather. So let's not have that conversation. All right. Well, let's talk about little things that can make big changes. How's that? I think that's perfect. Okay. And what would we're, that be, Katie? We're talking alterations. We're talking alterations. We've got Reza coming on. He is Taylor Extraordinaire. I've seen his magic. He's done some amazing things with some white button down shirts that I had when I lost some weight and he took them in and made them fit wonderfully. And it's amazing what he can do. But I thought of something. Men are more aware of alteration, right? Because most men have bought a suit and you go in and even though you pick a size, you know, you can pick the tops, maybe you're a 42 long on the top and your pants are 34 by 34, right? But even within then, they'll have the alterations person come out They'll maybe nip it in at the waist. You might need the sleeve adjustment a little bit. You might need the pants hemmed even more. You might be right between sizes. So they get it. Why do women not, when they buy something, look at it and say, okay, this is generally the fit, but now I need to have it altered to really fit me? It's a very good question, Katie. And from my experience, I think that Women think that there's always something else out there that they can buy that they don't have to do the alteration. And I run into this all the time when I'm helping women and I really like something on them. And they're like, Lisa, the sleeves are too long. Or Lisa, I have to do this. I'm saying, then we'll get it altered. That's a simple alteration. And then the jacket's going to look perfect on you. Or I have my clients who are under five, three, and they're like, I only buy petite clothes. And, you know, 10 years ago, there were more things that designers were producing in a petite line, let's call it. But basically, all that meant was the pants were shorter, the sleeves were shorter, and the rise was shorter. So someone that had a long rise couldn't buy a petite pant, even if they were petite. And in case somebody is not, and what's really interesting about that, let's talk about rise. Rise is the point from uh, basically your crotch. Yes. Okay. So when you, your crotch to the top of the pant, to the top of the pant, yes, wherever that natural waistline would be or where it's supposed to fit most comfortably on you. It's probably one of the reason women's women have a difficult time finding jeans is to get the right rise and to get the right type. Right. 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 That's where I come in usually. And like, no, only look at these three brands because they're going to fit the rise. So you save time. So going back to the fact that women, I think generally in big, broad, general terms, I'm thinking about this and having worked retail for years, 
women are usually rushing in at the last minute to find something, which is why we've got a podcast going because we're trying to retrain (laughs) women to think differently about all of this. So they're rushing in. Oh my gosh, I'm looking on the calendar. I've got this event coming up next week, even not enough time probably to get something altered. So now you've taken the amount of what you could possibly do into, or what you could possibly find with a little bit of alteration. Now you don't have that alteration time. So you're rushing and you're looking for things last minute. So that's one of the things. And one of the reasons why people probably don't think alterations, women in particular, don't think alterations if they're buying something and need it quickly, or they're doing retail therapy because, you know, I don't think you think retail therapy. I don't think you think alterations when you're doing retail therapy, right? A hundred percent. You do not think of alterations. Generally, most, most women, when they're shopping on their own, with the exception of maybe being used to shortening pants, do not think alterations. And it is so easy. Yes, it takes extra time to bring your stuff, have it altered. Sometimes you have to come back for a second fitting, depending on what it is, and then you have to pick it up. So it's, it's at least two stops in your busy life that you have to do. But once you get your piece altered, you put it on and you're like, oh, this feels so good. Or, oh, I love the length. Or I I never wore this dress because it was X. Now it's not. And and, and it hangs in your closet. You actually use it as opposed to that 80% of the clothing that you don't. Maybe you start pulling that a little bit. So you're wearing more of the clothing. And how nice is it to go in that space and have everything fit? Right. I mean, as a personal example, I just got a dress and I love the dress, but because I know that alterations can be done, um, I am not big chested. So the dress on the top is huge on me, but it fits everywhere else. And I'm like, oh, this is going to fit great. All I have to do is bring it in, have it altered where I need it altered. And I'm going to love this dress. It was a no brainer, but I think women have to kind of think out of the box when they're buying clothes and realize that that can be done. I think they'll have more to choose from. Well, and again, you're, if you're doing this right, you're setting up your wardrobe for years. So you're not, you may now, if you're going to espouse this thinking, you may now go into your closet and pull out six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 things that you're really not wearing that maybe then look at them with an eye to do some alterations on them. Exactly. Or change buttons. You know, like you might like a blazer and think, I never wore that blazer because, God, I hate those buttons. They shine, they sparkle, they this. Then go to a fabric store, um, Michael's, Joanne Fabrics, Hobby Lobby. There's lots of them. And go pick out new buttons. You won't believe how excited you're going to be about that jacket again. So Incredible. Incredible idea. And so easy. <laughs> so, so easy. And if you're like, I don't know how to sew buttons on then bring it to somebody that does. Yeah, you can bring that to the tailor and have that done very easily. I think really the key to this is being organized enough and thinking about your wardrobe in such a way that when you're buying things or you're trying something on, it could potentially be altered. And if you have someone like you that can look at the wardrobe and, and talk about those things, that's great. But if you're, if you're going about this on your own, you want to find a good tailor because if you, let's just say you buy a jacket that you love, but you think it needs some alterations, then you bring that in the tailor. 
if the tailor's a good tailor, they're going to be honest and say, nope, we can't do that. Yes, we can do what right. you're talking about. And you still are within the amount of time that you can then bring that piece back if you need to bring that piece back. So this is all thinking about your wardrobe as a master plan and then adjusting it according to your needs as you go. But let's just say if you get a if you get an invitation to something that's a month in advance, don't wait until the week before to start looking for something if you are going to need it tailored. Right. Because now you've given yourself time if you start right out doing that. And you brought up another good point is it's very important to go to the right tailor because there's some tailors that can do everything and there's some tailors that are good at certain things. And so when you're looking into it, you might have a tailor that you love. Great. If you're looking for a tailor that's best for what your needs are, I would ask people that you trust and see who they recommend. The tailor that we're bringing on today who has his own place, he's fabulous and he's super honest and he'll tell you if you can't do it. I've had several clients bring stuff into him and he'll say, you know what? I'm not sure I can do that. Um, I don't think, I think you should bring it somewhere else or I think you should do this. And that's an honest tailor. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, that's a person that's interested in a long-term relationship with you. Exactly. And knows that whatever your needs are, he'll be there for the right needs. Exactly. Let's talk about clothes washing, caring for your clothes once you have them. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. I broke all the rules of what we just talked about. (laughs) We had a party that we were invited to this past weekend. It was a black and white party. I thought I knew what I was going to wear, but I pulled it out and it had a stain on the chest. I don't remember the last time I wore this dress and clearly it had the stain when I hung it up and I missed it. So now it's got a stain on the chest and now I'm one day before as we were packing, we were, this was a little overnight. Now I'm looking at this. Thank God it's a black and white party. You can find it's at someone's house. So it's casual. So you can find, I can find black and white things. So I had other things that I could wear, but that was, I tried, I tried getting that stain out myself. It was pretty much impossible. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to wear that dress, which is sad because I really liked it. Okay. So quickly, Katie, what I tell people is if you, if you get something on a piece of clothing, do not try to get it out yourself, bring (laughs) it to a reputable dry cleaners that you trust. That's good. Tell them what you think it is that you did not put club soda on it. You did not put all your own home remedies on it. Could they please try to get the stain out? If you have not set the stain in something you've already tried, it's 98% that they're going to get that stain out. Even if it's been sitting in your closet, if nothing has touched that stain, they will be able to get it out. It's when people get all nervous and all worked up about it and they start doing their own thing, then they bring it to the cleaners. And then they tell the cleaners, can you please get the stain out? And you've already set the stain. I I learned that many, many years ago. I have a dry cleaner that I've been going to for years and years, and she taught me a lot of this stuff. And so I always try to tell my clients that just bring it to the cleaners. 
Makes sense. And um, even I, then, even then, I probably had time to get that piece to the cleaners and ask the question without having to work through the stains. Yes. The other thing that um, I like to tell people about washing is that if you buy anything black, anything, the best thing to do is have it dry cleaned the first time you do anything with it because it will set the black color in your clothes. Because what happens is if it is washable and you can wash it over time, it starts getting faded and kind of, you know, it looks like it has lint all over it. But if you dry clean it the first time, it won't do that as fast. Also, always, I had no turn, idea. Black, always turn black inside out. If you're going to wash black, turn it inside out every single time. If it's washable. But the best thing to do is dry clean black or navy. You, and you're talking blouses, pants, Anything jeans, black. jeans? Well, no, don't dry clean jeans. That's really bad for your jeans. Um, jeans I would turn inside out, wash in cold water, hang to dry. Okay. But don't wash them with anything else by themselves. And would you, because sometimes when you hang them to dry, they get that little stiffness. Would you well, then, then just- Well, then you can pop them in the dryer under air, air heat for three minutes and it will- Okay. But not raw denim. If you have raw denim, you're really never supposed to wash it. What do you mean you're never supposed to wash it? You're never supposed to wash raw denim. You're supposed to put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in your freezer. Okay. What, <clears throat> what is raw denim? <laughs> well, that's a whole conversation, Katie. We don't have time for that, but oh no, We're some of the very, hanging? very expensive jeans that you see oh, that are, I don't know what it is that are, you know, you raw denim is feels very raw. It's very stiff. It's very hard. There isn't a lot of raw denim really for women. I mean, there is, there is some lines of raw denim. They're very expensive and they're cool and they're usually very trendy, but there's a lot of raw denim that they make for men. So you fold it up, put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in your freezer. To me, I think you need to wash your pants and jeans. So I yeah. have a problem with that. But when I have a client who is interested in a pair of raw denim jeans, I let them know, here's what they recommend. And if you're a person that likes to wash your jeans a lot, do not get raw denim jeans. Good to know. I'll stay away from them if and when I ever see them. <laughs> raw well, denim. That's another tidbit. And then, you know, use your lingerie bags. I mean, we know we yes. use them for our bras and mm -hmm. our underwear. You do not dry bras. You do not dry. You don't ever dry bras. But also you get a larger lingerie in a, in bag. In a dryer. In a dryer. You dry them just yes. down the dryer. Right. But you know, if you have a washable silk blouse, what I tell people is cold water, inside out, lingerie bag, use a very mild detergent, and you can hang it. But here's the problem people need to understand is you do have to steam or press that. So if it gets all wrinkly and you don't like that look you're not going to get it stiff and looking beautiful again. That's why you need to dry clean it. It's pretty impossible not to be able to hook up with a dry cleaner. That's easy to have things picked up at your door or. Yeah, whatnot. but just be careful about the reputation and really look at reviews of your dry cleaners in your area. 
There are a few dry cleaners in, in this area that I, I do not recommend. I've seen many, many people's clothes ruined from them. And so I really think that you need to be very careful, pay the money to go to a good dry cleaner. Excellent. I like that idea of, of looking at reviews. Yes. That makes perfect sense. Well, let's welcome Reza to the show and find out even a little bit more insider tips and tricks from an actual tailor. We have Reza with us from Limon Tailors in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Famous to anyone who knows Lisa Rubin. <laughs> Maybe not famous on Instagram because he hasn't gone there yet, but who knows what's in the future. Reza, thank you for being with us. Hi, thank you for inviting me. It's been, uh, it's been great. It's my first podcast, so I really appreciate it. Thanks. Well, well very fun. Thank you for joining us. We want to we wanna find out, really, I think most people just know that they can get things tailored. We had a little bit of introduction where Lisa and I were talking about women particularly are not nearly as good about getting tailoring as men are because men grew up owning suits, having to have suits. It just sort mm. of went with that, right? But women... Not so much. What do you find is probably, well, first of all, let's not even go there. I still want to get into questions. Before we go there, I want to hear about you. How did you get into this business? Well, um, I, uh, we owned the business. We owned it kind of like a, a, a tailoring business, a factory business back in Iran with my dad. It was a very small factory. We used to produce um, vests and sweaters and we used to basically make them off scratch and then just put them together and uh, uh, we did that we also did a lot of uh, baby doll uh, sweaters and we used to uh, export them from Iran to Russia um, this was long time ago and uh, so when we came to United States in 94 um, my dad started working for the uh, for my uncles, which owned Le Monde before me. So it took me really good 15, 18 years before I kind of joined them. Uh, when they decided they want to sell, I'm like, yeah, you know, I know the business. Let me figure out this new business because it's kind of new. Yes, we are using the same machines and all that stuff. But the customer service aspect of it is new. And I've been in customer service for a long time. So that kind of helped me uh, with this new business. Uh, because most tailors, most alteration shops, when you go there, usually there's not a lot of communication between the, the person who's doing the alterations and the customer. Because they really don't have that kind of a background of how to communicate with people, which is very important. Usually you go there and there's somebody's, you know, basically telling you what to do, which is the absolute opposite thing. I think this should go Be because I think you need to listen what the person wants to do. And then you give them advice based on that. If you just tell them, do this, I think it, it, it does, especially nowadays with everybody going differently. You know, some people like their pants really, really tight really, really short. Some people, they do want the, uh, the pants to crunch on the bottom and they be really long. So you have to actually listen 
to what people want. So I basically started with my uncles in 2007, and I basically ran the place for three years with their help, kind of getting to know, know the customers a little bit. And then in 2011, I started the shop by my own and, and with my dad and my wife. So it's kind of a, I know it was a long answer to a little, and. Um, it was perfect. I, it was perfect. Yeah. When you came in 94, what did you do before you got into the business? What was, you said you worked in communication. What kind of I, things uh, did you do? No, no, no. I, I actually worked in a hospitality business. I was in a hospitality business. What, I'm, what I was trying to say is that kind of helped me because it was basically a, you know, service industry and you had to communicate with all sorts of people get to know them within the first few minutes you kind of like like a psychology basically to know the person within a few minutes what they want what do they look like what are they what they're thinking and that particular thing i think helped me with this with the new adventure which was le mans um yeah so i was in the service industry for uh, close to 15, 20 years, I did anything from cooking, you know, serving, bartending and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You really, the psychology of, of what people yeah. are looking for is pretty, that's, that's pretty awesome that you figured that out early because that has to be additionally what makes you very good at what you do. Well, and that's why, you. that's why I trust when I send clients to you, I know what the work you do is very good but I know that you're going to treat them with respect and you're going to listen to them because yeah. that is the key is listening. Yeah. Listening is very important because a lot of people, I think there's a lot of egos involved. And sometimes when there's a lot of evil, and the people that you send me, they're very well um, established people. They have jobs and everything. And if, if they come to me and they start talking to me and my ego gets in the way, then they, we won't have the communication. Because if you just say, I'll listen to whatever you need to do, and then I will give you advice based on what you want, and then everybody's happy that way. Exactly. That makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. And even, you know, I even find... I mean, that's important in everything because the end product, you want them to feel like they got what they came for. Yeah. And to me, the end product is not even that. See, in, in U.S., I think we, we look at two different customers. You look at the customers that you just want for one time or you want the customers you want for lifetime. And I'm looking for the second one. And I am not very interested in the one-time customers. So every person that walks into my shop, I'm looking at it. You know what? Let's treat this person well so this person can come back again and again and again. Be happy with what you do. Because a lot of businesses, unfortunately, in the world now, is let's get new clients. Well, let's take care of the old clients. So therefore, then they, they go ahead and then find other people. And that with the word of mouth, you get more clients that way. And maybe it's an old school way of thinking, but that's my way of thinking. And I think it's the right way. 
I, I, agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Relationships are, no. and I think especially just in the short amount of time that we've been talking, you can tell that your passion is for people. You enjoy meeting people from different mm. walks of life and all of that. And so having that relationship where if somebody comes in, you haven't seen them for a couple months, you are probably able to say, Hey, how was that trip that you took for that business? Whatever. How did this yeah. fit? How did that fit? You're, you know, the wardrobes probably with some of Lisa's clients as well as Lisa knows them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I w- Go ahead, Lisa. No, I just said, Oh yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. He knows their personalities too. So the way me and Lisa work together, it's very, uh, so Lisa already knows what the background was about the customer. So they already talk, they already kind of have an idea what they want to do. So then when she sends it to me, so this person comes with the background of what Lisa and, and this person talked about. And then when they say, okay, this is what we talked about and this is what I want. And then, so my job is, okay, so what we want to do, we want to honor what Lisa is talking about, but at the same time, we want to say, okay, maybe if we do this a little bit better, we do this a little bit better. And then every, all three of us are in the same page, kind of little correction and all that stuff and do the job the best way. And, uh, you know, so the, so the customer is happy. So that's what we work. And then, so it's, even though me and Lisa don't talk as much, you know, over the phone with every client, we cannot be on the phone, by the way, you know, shorten the skirts, you know, um, two <laughs> inches, you know, you remember that, all that stuff. But we kind of, we kind of communicate that way through the customer. So it's kind of, a, kind of an interesting way to do that. But uh, um, again, it's, it's basically respecting the business of the other person at the same time, telling the other person, this is what I want, and this needs to be the final product. Yeah. And it's and you, with your expertise, obviously, you can look at something and say, that's going to that's gonna work well. That's not yeah. going to work well. Do you yeah. ever have, is there ever something that comes in, a material that comes in that you know is just not going to be, it's not going to end up being what the client wants. The, the material might not be great for alterations what do you do in those cases so uh, normally when a person walks in you have to use a psychology to find out what kind of a clients you're getting okay so you do not want to um, and it's kind of difficult sometimes because if the person you don't know all of a sudden it comes to your shop you have about a couple of minutes to figure out this figure this person out so usually there is a few things with alterations you know, some of the, you know, the alteration is expensive. So you have to look at it. I look at the, uh, look at the piece. And the first thing comes to my mind is, does this garment worth the alterations that you're going to put into? Now, if the garment has like a, uh, like a sentimental value to a person or very expensive garment, or it needs to be done for a specific, uh, you know, event, then I would say, you know, then the, the, the price worth you know, and then the price is not, does not matter as much. But if it's like a, like a, you bring like an everyday gene and you say, what well, I want to take the waist in, take the seat in, take the crotch in, take the thigh in and then shorten it and taper it. And I'm like, well, that's going to cost you a lot more money than this gene worth. So 
what I'm known in, I think, between all of my customers is I'm pretty straightforward, very frank, sometimes not as good, but I'm frank. So I'll tell you <laughs> what I think. And a lot of a lot of people appreciate it. I would say 80 to 85 percent of my customers really appreciate it. The those that don't want, they don't appreciate it. And I guess it's their their problem, really, because I want the truth from my mechanic, from my whoever I go to. You know, I want them to tell me the truth. What is the most important thing is how much it costs. And if my mechanic goes, if I take the car to a mechanic and my mechanic say, you know, it costs too much to fix it, then your car doesn't work, worth it. I won't do it. I love that. So I think most people appreciate that. So I'll tell the truth. Don't try to get money out of the person because I want the business, because that's the worst thing you can do. And unfortunately, it's something that is practiced a lot uh, in Twin Cities. Well, yeah, well, and and so let's let's do this, because not everybody can come to you, right? You you couldn't even handle that level of business from all yes. of our thousands of yes. listeners. Yes, yes. Are, yes. <laughs> they all of a sudden descended upon you. So if you were to give some advice to anybody looking for tailors, what, and I think they get a very good, you get a very good sense of, of how you handle it, which is how I would want it, how Lisa obviously wants it for her clients, and how I think it actually makes the process of what you're buying and what you own actually more fun to know that when I bring things in to be tailored, we're going to have a conversation that's probably going to be lively you're going to take care and measure and it's going to come back and it's going to be great. And I'm going to pick everything up and we're going to have a little more conversation and I'm going to go. And now I have more options in my wardrobe, in my beautifully mm. well done closet. So if you were to say for people in the twin cities that can't get to your side of town or whatnot, what are some things that you definitely material wise don't alter well? Like if somebody bought something and they think I'm going to bring it in for maybe what I'm asking is what are things to look out for that are harder to alter? Well, if somebody's just thinking this could be fixed. Okay. So that's a very difficult question to ask. A lot of materials nowadays are very thin chiffon. You're looking at that stuff that's more elastic, more stretch stuff. Uh, uh, so those are, those are the main things that you see a lot. Um, uh, so I would say if, so I guess I'm trying to understand what the question is. You're telling me, uh, so if you're, if you're buying something and the, the thing is already too huge for you then the cost of alteration does not worth it you know if it's a very very expensive garment that has very uh, delicate material that it needs to put a lot of work on it then the probably the alteration does not worth it um, um, if you have something that has very limited seams around the dress that you can actually alter uh, then, then the alteration probably does not worth it. So I, I think that's what you're asking me, right? Yeah, that's um, actually great advice, especially if somebody's there wondering, could I get this altered? Is it just a little bit off? 
to look at those seams and what do you look for in a seam on an inside of a garment if you want some alterations? And Lisa, I think you had the question of how much can you change a size? Like how many sizes can you go down on a garment before it starts to get just impossible? Well, doesn't it also depend on how many seams there are around? So if you're going to do, let's say, a dress, there has to be at least a two-inch seam allowance around the dress in order to let it out, correct? Yes. And then you cannot just do any materials. I mean, like if you're looking for a satin, if, it's, if a dress is a satin or something that this, when you let out the seam, it will actually show, you know, right. then you cannot really let out that seam. Or if you're wearing uh, some sort of a, a dress and then you see all of a sudden your shoulder is also really big on you too. So that's all of a sudden becomes a very expensive uh, alterations because to take the shoulder in, it's more expensive. If you need to take it in and there is a zipper it involves, either on the side, mostly on the side, then you basically have to redo the zipper, take the zipper out and take the side in and put the zipper back where it was. So these are the little things that, uh, I mean, if an average person would not know and they would just come to the tailor and they find out they have to pay more for the alterations than the actual dress is. What I would say for average, I would say taking the uh, one to two size is average. What I would say one size is the best. Um, I would say you can pretty much alter anything, right? But how much is it going to cost you is a different story. So I would say cost base is this the reason most people don't do the jobs. How about swimsuits? Can you take um, in a swimsuit and make it fit just as well? Like, let's say someone wow. brings a swimsuit into you and, you know, it fits everywhere, but let's say the bust area, you know, it's too big because they, they don't have a bust line. Can you take that in and make it look good? Um, depends on the swimsuits and depends on what the manufacturer is making that. Most swimsuits are very difficult to take apart and put back together because a lot of them are made from a stretchy material. So, um, so in order to take it in, sometimes you have to undo several stitches in order to take it in and put those stitches back on. And so uh, I would say yes and no. I've worked on swimsuits before uh, that was extremely difficult and the torso was too long. It was a one-piece swimsuit and we actually took it in through the, uh, through the, um, uh, the crotch area and tried to make it as tight as possible or through the seam that had... Uh, from the top on the on the torso, um, you, or through the shoulders, through the shoulder straps, uh, and took in uh, some. Um, but most of the time, uh, when you look at the when you look at the cost base of it, it 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 does not worth it uh, for the for the, for the client to spend it. So let's like let's say they they spend like 60, 70 bucks on a swimsuit, and then the the alteration cost about the same amount you know what i'm talking about so then they go like that yes you could do that you could do it if it's worth doing it yeah yeah i mean yeah go ahead well i was gonna say let's talk you mentioned something about zippers i mean there's so many different kinds of zippers and you know you have a favorite jacket and the zipper breaks and that's probably pretty common but let's just say you have a dress that's got the side zipper and that goes wonky. 
Is that fairly, is that a fairly easy fix or zippers? What do you find with zippers? Most zippers can be fixed because all there is either they, they came through the, what they call the slider, that thing that comes up and down. Yeah. So the slider kind of got loose or um, sometimes uh, the slider breaks or uh, the slider comes out at the bottom of the dress. Uh, if we were talking about a dress. So uh, most zippers, so we have a few kinds of zippers. We have invisible, we have coil, we have uh, plastic, we have uh, um, metal, right? So most of these zippers can be fixed and very inexpensively, anywhere from 10 to $20, you can fix a zipper. And, but when you cannot fix it, when the problem is actually the teeth of the zippers, not the slider, uh, then you replace them. And most of the zippers can be replaced. Um, uh, and sometimes, I mean, if you're looking at a three, $400 jacket, then it's worth it to pay to replace the zipper. To replace it is going to be a little bit spendy, but because the cost of the garment is high, sometimes it's worth it to replace it. And we do a lot of that. Yeah. Now that we've talked zippers, I'm going to also talk about something. When a woman buys a dress more of a formal dress or one where she doesn't want to wear a bra back to the bras, Katie. Um, <laughs> how important is how you can get some cups that you can put inside a dress so that a woman doesn't have to wear a bra. Like that is an alteration that can be done. And a lot of women think, Oh my God, now I have to get a strapless bra and I have to this and I have to that. And that can also be done and make it a lot easier and actually cost probably less than getting a, a bra. Yes, uh, it is true to a point. Uh, I think a lot of times people get confused what a cup does. I think what a cup does is what basically add girth to what you have, right? The cup does not, to say it, manage your chest. I'm going to say that. <laughs> so that the, the cup does not uh, uh, bring your chest up they don't bring it forward. They don't bring it. They don't lift it up. They don't do any of that stuff. So a lot of times when you put a, put a dress on, you have to actually take a look at that, what you want off the dress. If you want to bring your chest up, so that way it fills up the dress is a completely different. If it's just a small size, you want to make it a bigger size. So a cup works 25% of the time, it does not work all the time. And most of the time, bra does a better job or one of those sticky bras that actually lifts the breast up better job than this. But nowadays, a lot of girls, especially young girls, don't even use any of these. They use tape. So what they do, they tape their chest. Right. So, so basically what, I don't know, it's probably PG-13 a show. So I want to go... <laughs> Uh, so what they do, they actually tape it so it actually goes to the front of it and and it looks like you're wearing a bra without right. even wearing a bra or a cup. Um, older women are doing that now too. I just helped a client with that same thing because there was no way in the dress that she was wearing that she could have any kind of bra on. So I showed her how to tape. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a lot of times when you use a cup, you have to figure out if the garment is see-through and then if you see the, the liner of the bra, uh, then you shouldn't put the cup. You shouldn't really put a cup in there, you know, to begin with. Um, but cups work, as I said, uh, but in a very, uh, 
I would say 25% of the time they do work, but most of the times bra does a better job than the cup does. Well, I have a dress that I'm going to have to bring into you because I can't wear a bra with it. The girls are not where they used to be. And I need to have it brought in through the waistline and up so that not wearing a bra, because it's going to be very difficult to tape because it's all lace on the top. Mm. So, and it's lace through the, the bust line as well. So that's going to be very interesting. So when you talk about not, not, not managing them or keeping them in place, wouldn't that case, at least if it was a tight enough bodice and the cup put in, at least hold it in place? Not, not seeing the dress on you. So I can't really say with the, with the, with the way you're describing it, I don't think the cup will help you as much. So you can lift it up through the shoulders and try to make it help it itself um, that way. And then put a cup in there, you know, as an extra uh, yeah. um, girth, I would say. Yeah. So, and then you're also taking it aside. When you take it aside, it'll actually force the chest to go inside and up that way as well. So, All right. See, I knew there was a solution. All right. I'll be bringing that dress in. There, there, there is, uh, most of the times there are, there are always solutions. So, so you just have to look at the dress and say, where we want to go with it. And I like the way we're talking through it too, which is what you do with your clients. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about Rustica Bakery, uh, our personal favorite. And Me I've too. been out of town for a while. Do you love them? What do you get there when you go to Rustica Bakery? Well, because I'm such a, a skinny guy, I eat everything <laughs> they cook. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever my wife gets, it gets consumed. It's... Uh, I go through it like uh, it's nobody's business. Um, but I haven't been there for two years, I would say, uh, since the pandemic. Uh, so is it two years has been? A year? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to get into their Southdale store. Their Southdale location is right by Lifetime Fitness. You can park in front, run in. They do amazing sandwiches. Their coffee's great. I'm speaking to the choir, so you know all of this, but... I love when I'm anywhere out in that Edina area, running in there and grabbing a quick treat or a quick bite for lunch and getting out. The other location is by Bede Makaska, right kitty corner from Whole Foods in a strip mall next to Punch Pizza. And again, exceptionally easy for parking. If you're overtaking a walk around the lake, then you can stop and give yourself a treat at Rustica Bakery after you're done. Right, Lisa? Yes. And I just did that the other day. I got my one cookie, Katie. <laughs> Your one cookie. I still don't know how you do it, Lisa, but I, I applaud you for doing it. If you only I buy one cookie and you get back in your car, then you only have one cookie. But I always get the iced tea. <laughs> so I get the iced tea with the one cookie. Okay. And do you get it sweetened? No. Well, plain iced tea, black. And your one cookie. And my one cookie. You know, I do the same thing, but I only do one cookie at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you, Reza. I'm with you. Well, Rustica Bakery, we thank them for their sponsorship, and we certainly do love them. Okay, back to talking alterations. Now, this is going to be, I'm going to put you on the spot. When you're out and about, 
are there certain things in the alteration world that you see on people and you think they really should look to get that altered? Is there kind of a common theme of things that don't get altered that would look so much better if people thought about it? Yes. Uh, uh, Lisa is probably not going to like this, but it is <laughs> in the last past three or four years, I think we're getting a little bit too overboard with, with, with tight clothes. Where I see a lot of people with a lot of tight clothes and they have no business wearing them. I agree uh, with you on that. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, that's hundred percent. Yeah. I think, I think, I think you look out there. I, I'll give you an example. I went uh, 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 to get a, a sofa in a, in a place I'm not going to name. We went there and there was a gentleman that was helping us and he was my size, maybe a little bit smaller than me. And I'm a big guy. And the shirt was tight. And when I say tight is it was so tight that I couldn't keep my mouth shut um, because the seams on the back was one of those uh, shirts that had uh, also a back seam uh, created, not like a, like a dot, but it had a back seam as well. But I'm like, at any point of the time, these seams are just going to give up on this guy. So we start talking to the guy and I said, I'm a tailor. And then, we, you know, we were schmoozing, we were talking. And so he was very friendly. And then I said it to him. I said, dude, you know, you need to cool down on these tight shirts. You know, I know they're kind of in, but there is a point of what you want to do. And maybe a bigger size would help you. And then he actually agreed with me. He's like, yeah, I'm glad that you told me. But normally I keep my mouth shut and don't say anything because I don't like to get punched. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I see that a lot. That one thing and then the amount of short pants on men's just drives me crazy. It's just like, yes, I understand tight uh, and also uh, tapered look is in big time. I get it. I know shorts, you can do, uh, you know, above your uh, ankle, ankle pants. I get it. But when you're tightening is so bad, it'll take you 15 minutes to put the pants on and maybe 25 minutes to take the pants off. That pants is too tight. Um, I, so I see some of that. Another thing I see with a lot of men, not with the ladies, because ladies wear a lot of stretchy stuff anyway. A lot of men with dress pants that they go to work all the time with them. The seat and the crotch area on the thigh are extremely tight to the point that they rip through these pants regularly and they're wondering why. Well, I know why, because it's not meant to be like that. So you have the pockets are bulging out because the seat and the thighs are so tight that the pockets are not actually staying straight. And they come to me and say, I don't know what's wrong with my pants. They're just making these pants well. Well, they're making the pants okay. It's just they're not the right size. So I see a lot of that. So, um, and I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. It's a fashion thing, I would say now. And uh, they're coming with uh, goofier and goofier stuff. And everybody has his own judgment of looking at how um, how everything's supposed to look so yeah from a from a style statement you know it's interesting you mentioned particularly within the last two years i think about covid i wonder how many people who are now just going back into the office and looking at that amount of clothing that they have and trying to make it work and maybe covid 
maybe they put on the COVID 10 and didn't mm. really, didn't really take the time. So that's, you wonder how much of it is a style or how much of it is people going, you know, being shocked to go back into their wardrobe and needing to have something in which case they need to come and see you. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting about the COVID weight because I get, I get about the same amount of COVID weight and also COVID, COVID loss because a lot of people actually mm -hmm. lost a lot of weight because um, they were in a lot of stress and some people eat when they're stressed. Some people actually lose weight when they're stressed. So I also have a lot of people that come to me and say, oh, I lost like 50 pounds because I was home and I was stressed out, you know, through all this stuff, jobs and everything. And so that was very interesting to me. Yeah, but that's also true. We talked about taking clothes in, you know, one to two sizes, one being kind of the, the optimum. What about taking clothes out? I think works mostly on men's than ladies. Uh, a lot of ladies' clothes, normally the seam allowances are not there as much for various of reasons. But men's clothes, I would say, they have more ways to let out. Jackets, pants, thighs, seats, all that stuff. Ladies, you could do it, but mostly, you know, because they need that really nice corset look, you know, they need a really nice silhouette look. And so a lot of times they chop those, uh, uh, those um, uh, uh, seam allowances so you cannot let it out. And sometimes you have to get creative. Sometimes I add stuff, you know, make it like a design, you know. So I've done a few of those. And sometimes the seam allowance is there, you could do it. But mostly I would say men's. Makes me think about when I was a kid. I think I've talked about this before. I'm six feet tall, just shy of six feet tall. And uh, finding pants when I was a kid was impossible. My mom made a lot of my clothing just to get the length. And all I wanted was store-bought clothes. And jeans became pretty popular. And they were bell-bottoms. And so my mom would cut the gusset in the outside of the jean to put in a, a piece of really bright, paisley fabric and then put a swatch around the bottom of the jean to make it match so mm -hmm. i i i still when i'm when i'm pant shopping and thank god i now have lisa to say look at these brands but even when i look at those brands i still need some some lengthening and when i open them up and look on the inside it's like christmas when i find a pair of pants that actually have a decent hem that can be let down for me so that's, that's not, that doesn't often happen. So I know, I know that struggle and it's, it's hard to put any material in on the bottom of the pant, unless you're trying to make it look different and lace or something like that. What about mm -hmm. jeans? What about jeans? Pe jeans are, you know, the bane of every woman's existence is finding the right gene. And I found out something interesting so when you finish a pant on the bottom, there's different ways to finish that pant, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you finish a jean so that it looks like it did when you bought it at the store? Yes, you can, you can do, there's three ways you can do the jeans. You could do it, what we call a regular jeans, which basically you cut the excess off and you fold it and then you sew it with a very similar thread for the jean stitch, right? Then there is two others, uh, people call it differently. I call one of them original and the other one Eurohem. And sometimes they call it the same thing. But the original hem is basically cut that big piece at the bottom off and, and then stitch that piece back on 
where the hemline should be. And then the euro hem would be basically, well, the difference between the euro hem, I would say, and the original hem is the euro hem is, is neater from the inside, but is actually thicker, right? So some people love euro hem, some people love original hem. I personally don't like euro hem because I feel like uh, uh, when you wash it or when you dry clean it, that thing ends up kind of folding up a little bit because it's so heavy at the bottom. Because basically you create a pocket with the old uh, bottom of the jean and you stick that uh, a, a piece inside. So it's going to be a little bit, a little bit more thicker uh, than the original ham. So yes, the answer to a question is yes. And normally with jean, I recommend original ham for all of it. Okay. And then also let's talk about when you are shortening a pair of pants for somebody or lengthening, if you can, the difference mm -hmm. between a hand stitched and a machine hem. Like a lot of people don't know the difference, right? It, it seems yeah. obvious, but they don't. And yeah. when would you do a hand stitch, even with a dress or a machine stitch for a pant? Um, I'm assuming you're talking about blind stitch. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yes, yeah. yes. Blind okay. stitch. So a blind stitch machine is a machine that actually uh, stitches uh, a pair of pants, mostly dress pants. So you will not see the stitch from the outside. So it takes the meat of a little bit of a meat of the, the, the material, and then it just goes all the way around and so sews it. A lot of pants you could do blind stitch with the machine and it would not show, but some, uh, some uh, pants, uh, you know, you could have uh, like a net, your uh, like a really fine net or uh, a really thick net that you cannot wear or, or actually a fine wool, I would say. Uh, you cannot sew with, you know, with the machine because no matter how small a needle you use, the machine does it uh, a lot. Or when you do it, you actually damage the material. So at that time, you just do it by hand because now you can control every little stitch that you do. And when you look at it from the outside, you do not see those dots that everybody hates right on, uh, right on top of the, uh, uh, your dress pants. So normally, about I would say 3 4% of pants we do with hands. Uh, um, those are the ones that we really have to, but most of the stuff we do with the machine. But remember, all of this stuff used to be done by hand. Like 100 years ago, there were no machines or anything. So they did all of it by hand. They made all suits by hand, you know. So obviously, when you do it by hand, it's a lot better, but it costs more because a person has to sit down and do it 10, 15, 20 minutes by hand. So everything that's done by hand, it's more expensive. Talk about shoes. How important are they when you're hemming? Very important. As a matter of fact, uh, because we do not have shoes at the store for people to put it on, and then I actually went back and forth to try to put shoes or not, but I decided not to. Um, for, uh, I think it's important, especially for ladies, uh, when they come to me and they say, well, I'm just going to step on my tiptoe and you just go ahead and mark. No, that's not going to work. It's important because it will change the posture, your posture. And a lot of times people don't understand what that does. It will actually lift your buttocks, lift the whole thing up. If you're doing a dress, you cannot do it with, exactly. 
So when you do a dress, it does <laughs> it does not you cannot do it by just uh, first of all you cannot stay on your tiptoe for uh, like ten minutes for me to measure you. Number one, <laughs> and number two is like uh, it's better to know what kind of shoes you have so you can go. Now a lot of my clients come with you know, two or three different types of shoes and say, okay, I have this, I have a three inch, I have a four inch, then I have an inch and a half, or I have two and a half inch and I have a flat. And then, so make it work. Yes, you could make it work. It'll be in the middle. So it's going to be decent, very decent with your flat. And it's going to be a little bit shorter with your heel. Nowadays is really good because most people wear shorter stuff. So you can actually accommodate both. Shoes are very important for men and for women, not just for the heel, but the effect that has on your body, you know, even for men. And now a lot of men come with the lace shoes rather than no lace shoes. That's also important because if you come with your tennis shoes and you want to hem a pants and taper it, you do not see what the end result is going to be because you do not know where the top of that uh, pants is going to come on your shoe. So you need to have a right shoe when you come to a tailor shop, please. It, it stand up straight. I remember my mom poking me when she would be measuring me for clothes. She stopped saying stand up straight because at six feet, I had terrible posture. So let's talk about posture because uh, that is one thing I tell my clients if I'm not with them. Remember, if you're going to go, you have to stand up straight. You have to look straight. You have to put your hands down. Like people don't realize how much that makes a difference in yeah. their clothes. Yeah. So one thing I do, it's very important. You're right. Once, first of all, for your, for your entire life, not just for clothes, you need to have a right posture. If you're just slouching or you're not, or you're always tense. So a lot of times when people come to me, I have this really bad habit. I would say I tell people to relax and maybe relax is not a good word to use, but that's the best word I can tell because a lot of people tense up. When they see me, I mean, like, I won't hurt anybody. Don't, don't, don't be, <laughs> don't be alarmed, you know, but I tell people to relax because when you're tense up, everything, it's different. Like, for example, if you have a suit on, if you have a coat on and your blazer, when you tense up, it looks like your sleeves longer than what it is. You know what I'm talking about? Because you actually go and you bring your shoulders up because you're tense up. And a lot of times I see people do that. I, I don't understand why. They get nervous a lot because sometimes, you know, alteration is not something that a lot of people do. You know, either people do it for, uh, you know, because they have to or because they want to. And those want-tos are a lot less than the ones that are have to, you know. So when they have to and they come and see me, they're tensed up. So it's very important that you have, you just relax your body and then stand up straight because those two things does not happen often. As a matter of fact, I would say 80, 90% of times I have to at least say once to the person, relax. And they say, oh, I'm relaxed. I'm like, no, you're not. You just have to <laughs> relax. And then you know what the difference is. Once they, once they relax and everything is good, then they go right ahead and they're okay. And Lisa's right 100% about that. Most people don't notice it until it's too late. You know, and even when you're standing, I have a lot of people standing and bending one knee without even noticing it because they just that's the way they 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 stand on one leg. And I'm like, well, just stand up, 
stand up straight. It's like I am straight. I'm like, well, you're not, because I can see <laughs> I, I can see your knees bend. It's like, well, my knees like that. I'm like, no, it isn't. And then when they actually straightened in their knee, they're like, oh yeah, that's that's how relaxed looks, you know. And especially with the way because. You know, a lot of people's legs are different, their hips are different, their shoulders are different, their hands are different. And when you're slouching, it's kind of hard to see all of that. So as a tailor, you have to actually see all of this. So you look at the person, you look at their shoulders, you look at their hip, you look at their knee, and all the way, you look at the way they're, they're, they came in with their clothes to get the psychology of what this person is all about. Now, Lisa has talked tirelessly, as you know, about how important the bra fit is. So do you, if someone comes in and their bra is not fitting well when you're trying to tailor a blouse, are you going to mention that to them? Yes. <laughs> yes. Very carefully. That's why Lisa loves you. <laughs> no, because I know that how important, and I know Reza, that's why... I tell no. my clients, I don't have to go with you if you're going to go see Reza because Reza and I are always on the same page. Yeah. But good question, Katie. And it is important. Yeah. So with the bra, it's um, so a lot of girls wear wrong bras. Yes. They, yeah. So uh, I think that the, the, what they, you, what you guys call quadru boobs, is that what they call it? So they wear it so tight. So you have an extra boobs coming out because yeah. the bra is too tight. <laughs> I think they call it quadra boobs. Is that what they call it? I've yeah. never heard of that before. I've never heard that. <laughs> I think I heard it from a comedian, a lady comedian, a long time ago, 20 years ago. That got stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's called quadra boobs or something like that. Anyways, uh, so you have that. Uh, you also have that people do not adjust their bra uh, straps. Um, uh, and it's, it's either loose or it's too tight because if it's too loose, you will not get a good look. And if it's too tight, it's, it's, especially if it's a, a higher waist, uh, dress, you can actually see it's not in the right place. And sometimes they wear the, the dress and they do the cup. And I tell them, you know, I know you're wearing a cup, but you can also adjust your chest inside the cup, inside the bra. And they will stay like that. And, and the worst, I think, is for the people that have a bigger chest, um, that they, they actually wear a bra that actually bleeds through at the bottom of their, uh, their chest bleeds through at the bottom of their bra. You understand what I'm saying? So when they wear a dress, it looks like their chest got split in half or in three places just because they did not choose the right bra. Now, with saying all of that, I cannot just go right ahead and tell people, oh, by the way, you're wearing the wrong bra. Because I'm a man and working in that environment, it's, you have to be a little bit politically correct. Especially if they're coming with their husbands or boyfriends or fiancés, they can't say, oh, by the way, check out your bra, you know, mm -hmm. because that doesn't work. So you have, to, you have to know the person, you have to talk to a person you have to communicate. So that's very important. And you have to also figure out if it is important to for this person to know this information. Because believe it or not, a lot of times it isn't. And the person rather not to do anything with this. They don't want me to tell them anything about it. So that's a little bit of a disadvantage for being a guy 
than rather being a woman. So, but most of the times I would say 90% of the time I have no problem uh, telling the person. So I look at the, I look at the room and say how, uh, how, how warm it is. If it is lukewarm, I just say, okay, I can, I can, I can say, and I can help this person because you try to be not disrespectful. You try to make them not cringed, you know, just to be cool about it. You know what? And then help them at the same time. Yeah. You want them to have their best look. Well, I got to believe that none of those people, none of the lukewarm to cool people are any of Lisa's clients. <laughs> and any of my clients, most of the, my clients are great. One more thing about bra. Sports bra are not bra, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> so if you, if you figure this out, if I ask you if you're wearing a bra, you show me uh, basically a camisole that you're wearing and you're calling a bra, that's not a bra. That's a camisole. That's a sports bra. It does not do anything for you. I love that. I love that very straight talk on that because all you're trying to do is help people look their best, which is what we're all about. And we all come in different sizes. And going mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. our original conversation is, you know, I can wear a 14, I can wear a 16. There's occasions I can wear a 12, but they're going to all fit me different in different ways and in different parts. So I think for particularly women who are building their wardrobe and who want to save money over the long run, have things tailored. And my call to action for everyone who's listening is go into your closets and look for three or four things that you haven't been wearing because they might just not be fitting right and think about tailoring them instead Uh, of running out and buying something new. Yes. Mm -hmm. One thing I should tell you, we talked about there are a lot of tailors in here and you said which what you'd look for a tailor. This is what I would look for a tailor. Whoever you want to go to, you should be able to take your clothes to a person and that person can see it and give you an estimate. If the if the person is uh, uh, upset about this, then that's not the person you want to go to. You know what I'm talking about. You also should be able to, you should be able to be very comfortable with the person because it's a relationship based. If you're not comfortable for that particular person is, is this guy is a man, I'm not comfortable, or this guy is making joke me, making jokes, I'm uncomfortable, for whatever reason. If you're not uncomfortable, then you do not want to see that person. And then, and the last is the work of that person. So I would put the work of that person, the last thing, because these things are more important because that's the thing that you start with. So if you go to a place and uh, you say, oh, can I give you my measurements? Or can you take a look at this uh, item of clothing and see if it is actually, uh, does it worth it for me to do? You know, and the person just, you know, oh, whatever, you know, then that's not a person you want to go to. Because that's the person that it does not care about you or your clothes. He only cares about your pocket. And that's not us. That's fantastic. All right. I have one last question that has nothing to do about alterations, Reza. Mm -hmm. What do you think your superpower is? Mm. Superpower. Well, not Superman, if you're asking me. Not not that for sure. Um, I think... uh, it's going to sound corny, but I'm a very honest person. Sometimes to a core, uh, that's, that's my superpower because uh, I think honestly can take you a long way in life. 
So I try to be honest. My parents were always honest. So I learned this from my parents. So that is my superpower. I'm honest to the I core. I like that. I, I yeah. agree with that too. And working with you all these years. And that hurts, uh, Lisa, sometimes, but in the long run helps me. Like if you bring a suit, if I feel like you need to return the suit and get a different suit that fits you better, even though I make ton more on alterations, I always tell you to do that. Because know. you know what? What goes around comes around. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, yeah. we're all on the same page with that. How do people get a hold of you, Reza? Well, we're based in Norwood Mall on Highway 7 and between uh, uh, Nordstrom Rack and Torat. Uh, we open Tuesday through Sundays. And our phone number is 952-938-8422. And our email is uh, Lamond taylors at yahoo.com most of the times when you call me you can get a hold of me and thank you for the opportunity oh my goodness you're so welcome you would suggest setting an appointment to come in that might be easier or can you just walk in uh i do not do appointments uh because the sheer volumes of people i get i cannot keep them straight uh so it's basically walking only i do work uh i, I said uh, uh, Tuesday through Sunday. So I'm one of the only tailors that works on Sundays. So that helps a lot of people, even though it's a limited hours, 12 to four Saturdays and Sundays, but I am open both days. Sometimes when people have restrictions, I tell them to come after hours or something like that, but I like not to do that as much. Yeah, sure. And parking. We actually you... have moved to the front of the mall. Oh, now. You have. He has a whole so... new place. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Yeah, so okay. it's actually, yeah, so it's actually where the, we would be towards the front of the mall. Yeah, we've, uh, we've moved from the back, but you can still park in the back. Uh, it's actually more parking in the back than the front, but you can park both ways. Yeah. That's what I remember with that mall. It was sort of like a hidden gem. You could park in that back and be in and out. So either way, yeah. there's great, great access to you. Yes, there's, there's great access and the mall is pretty good. They just spend a ton of money on it. It looks really good. You guys should come and check it out. Yeah, it's one of my favorite areas to shop, really. And I do have some things I have to bring into you if I ever am in town long enough to do so. We're going to switch gears really quickly and go to nonprofit because you suggested a really wonderful organization doing excellent work and that's save.org. What, what brought you to that organization? Uh, tragedy. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, a tragedy brought me up. My uh, my sister uh, committed suicide uh, uh, back in 2015. And um, sorry, it's kind of hard. So, um, of course, and we're so sorry to hear that. So I think this organization, I think it's a right organization to donate to. I think they do good work and they have marathons that you can go on, you know, the walks and all that stuff. We've been to a couple of those. I think it's very important uh, uh, to, I, I apologize. I, I did not. Um, I, Reza, I, uh, you, you have nothing to apologize yeah, to. You lost I, I, a very significant part of your life to a very big yeah. tragedy that needs to be talked about. And I applaud you for, for bringing yeah. it up. And I'm glad there are more and more people are talking about it now. It is a real thing. It is a real, real, real thing. And I think uh, um, once we actually put more emphasis on those situations and those people that need help, 
then we have less tragedy come in. The year my sister killed herself, there were 38,000 suicides uh, uh, done, like actually not attempts, 38,000 people died uh, from suicide. And, and I think that is, that's needless. It should it, be it better. Is. Yeah. It is. It is. And in save.org, the, the email or the uh, website is save.org. Their mission is to prevent suicide through public awareness and education, reducing the stigma and serving as a resource to those touched by suicide. And it it's interesting to note that this organization um, was founded by a woman named Adriana Warbleski. She lost her daughter to suicide in 1979 searching endlessly for information, resources, support to help her family. And she really wasn't able to find what she needed. And so by the 80s, she became nationally known suicidologist. So she's taking part in research, writing journals. And, and so she met with other suicide survivors and they decided to start the organization that became SAVE and she was their first director. You think even that's not that long ago and you think about the fact that death by suicide is not talked about and I think it touches many people. It's touched our family, it's touched your family. I think many people know about and have situations in their families and the more we talk about it, maybe we can save others and we can know the signs. And so save.org is a, a very, very good thing to look into supporting. And we can't thank you enough for bringing them to the forefront. Thank you. And thank you for being with us. Reza, it was great. Thank you very much again. I, uh, I listen to your podcast a lot. I know I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's perfect for a podcast yeah, for your yeah. first podcast. Yeah, but what you have to say is always fun. important or funny. One of the two. I'll try to be both. We thank you for your humor and for your kindness and for your great work. It's really wonderful to get some insight. And uh, hopefully people will come in and say, hey, I heard you on Katie and Lisa's podcast. I definitely think it will happen because uh, you guys are really famous. Uh, you don't even know it. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really okay. appreciate it. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, so I need to take my own advice, Lisa, and go through my closet and get some things to be tailored. Not because they don't fit me, but because they don't fit me well. Good. I'm glad you're going to do that. I only have one dress that I just got because I do that all the time. Right. Well, you are not like the shoemaker's kids. Well, I <laughs> am about certain shoes. things because I don't like to get dressed in the morning. There's a secret. Oh, so your day would have you in pajamas until noon or what? No, I mean, I like to get dressed. I No, I like to get dressed. But I when I am not working, I have my certain uniform pieces that I wear that would not be something that I would wear if I was with a client. How's that? Makes sense. Makes sense. Hey, by the way, shout out to our friend Stephanie, who I recently traveled with. And she had her, she said, got my airplane clothes on. And she looked absolutely adorable. <laughs> so well, then she listened to that podcast. To, yeah. Airplane clothes don't have to be, uh, don't have to be unattractive. No, they do not. They just have to be comfortable and washable. Exactly. Exactly. Well, my dear, another successful show in the books. And uh, I suppose we should give our website, theviewinyourmirror.com. You can get all of the links to all of our past shows. You can get the links to our nonprofits, which we're very passionate about. 
And uh, we also now have our email address up, which is info at theviewinyourmirror.com. So if you have a suggestion, somebody you want to hear from or an idea that you want us to talk about, we're hearing people like our banter, Lisa. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, that's a very nice compliment because that really that's, we enjoy each other's company so much. So I'm glad that translates through. And we'll talk about anything almost, right? Stay away from politics and religion and we'll chat about it <laughs> and we'll give you our take on it. But if you have something that you truly want uh, to ask a question about in the design realm of space planning, if you wonder how to place some furniture in your living room, questions you may have that you can forward my way. I'm Katie at katieharms.com. Of course, if you want to talk about wardrobes and how to set up your perfect long-term wardrobe, you're going to get a hold of Lisa. What's your email address, Lisa? Lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net. Perfect. Any last thoughts from you, my friend? I just wish everybody a good day. And the view in your mirror is perfect. Until next time. Mm -hmm.